Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hold on to your fucking hats. Yeah, it's nuts. It's coming. Two, one, two. All right. We are rolling, Caitlin. We're rolling. We are rolling, and I don't mean a joint. I rarely mean a joint. I can't smoke weed. It's too potent for you. Ah, I have, right? You do CBD oils? I do CBD oils. It's so relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need to be in my own head. We talk about that a lot on this uh, podcast. It's a theme. It seems to be. It seems to be mostly you, though. CBD? Well, yeah, it's because I am... Are highly anxious? Yeah, I'm an anxious person. Weed is not good for me. Cocktails, however, great. Great for you. Great for Oh, me. cocktails with CBD in it. Uh, all the time. <laughs> Why not? I've not tried it. Should I try it? Yeah, it's very relaxing. Mm. You might like it a lot. Uh, we had cocktails on the last podcast when we were doing our intro to your fantastic interview with Kamal Murray. Yeah, where um, since having that interview, things have changed in his life. Well, that's a really interesting place to start off for, for today because we're going to be talking a little bit about the off-season, all the coaching changes that have happened, and then we're going to sort of spring forward uh, and talk about 2019, which is sort of upon us. So yeah, let's get into it. Kamal Murray, coach of Sloan Stevens, they're on a break. Yeah. They're on a break. What does that mean? Taking a break. Um, I'll be 100% honest, um, unlike a lot of people in the world these days, and tell you that I really don't know, to be honest. Uh, I know that was being discussed when I was with him, um, just about you know the potential and the future, but uh, I haven't spoken to him since, so I honestly don't know where it's coming from, whether it's coming from her or from him. Um, needing a break but you know what sometimes it's a good thing as well you know they've been together for about three years on and off mm-hmm. um, Sloan um, you know Kamal will be the first to tell you that he's very intense on the court um, Sloan can be at times difficult should be probably the first one to admit that as well mm-hmm. so sometimes you know you just need this break away and to, to pre- either appreciate each other or realize that maybe you can do it without that person Kamal certainly you know is a I'm sure quite highly sought after coach yeah. now uh, from what he's done with Sloan so listen the one thing I can guarantee you in women's tennis is that if you've had a successful coaching job with one player yeah. you are guaranteed a job for life I mean we've already <laughs> had that discussion I mean unless hey listen this will be a good test to dis- for in a lot of ways to also recognize is it a good test to see minority coaches and women coaches and how much they get kind of moved around, like um, white men coaches, yeah, right. or, or, or in general. I mean, we've seen the flip flop of Wim Fassett and one to the other to the other to the other, and 
And, you know, the list is long of, yeah. of coaches. Meaning, can people who are not white men transverse or, or sort of transcend working with just one player? Can they be as in demand as some of these guys have been? Your Michael Joyce's, your Wim Facets, that kind of thing. Is that the point you're making? Yeah. I th- no, I think in some respects, just the fact that, you know, how, how racist and how sexist can tennis players be as well. I mean, sure. that's, just, that's, I'm putting it out there. I'm you guessing know? pretty, pretty on both counts. Well, yeah, no, I don't think they, I don't think they mean it. I don't think there's a conscious effort to wake up and be like, I don't want to hire a black coach because mm. of X and Y, or I don't want to hire a woman coach because of X and Y. But they wake up going, oh, what, who's the male white guy that's available? Mm-hmm. Before they think about a female coach or a black coach. Well, I think a lot of things in the world, and my experience is rooted in media, the way that yours is rooted in tennis, it comes down to access, right? If you don't see examples of success, mm-hmm. you only think that they look a certain way. If mm-hmm. you, And a lot of times that's because doors have been shut to certain people and doors have been opened for others. And so... The nice thing about what's happened, and you guys in your interview with Kamau touched on this, is just the idea that being a woman coach, being a non-white coach, is now an example of success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly thinking about the revolving door, because you just mentioned a bunch in a flurry there. So we got Wim Facet, who Kerber declined to work with again this year, which is interesting because she won a Wimbledon with him this mm-hmm. year, and now he's working with Victoria Azarenka. I am pumped that Azarenka's got you know, a credible coach with whom she's worked before because I would love to see her make a run in 2019 and we'll get to that. But can we ask the question of why this keeps happening? Why does this keep happening? Yeah, what's going on? I mean, listen, word on the street is that um, the demand for money um, gets quite um, obvious. Yeah. It gets brought up. Um, That's what I'm hearing. Um, I don't know the factual things with... With Angie, per se, but I know that that's sort of out there. Yeah, um, well, it would be explain why, if you've had a lot of success with a coach, you would not just stick with them, and maybe that's a factor. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the price gets uh, quite demanding from him, from what I've heard. Um, but, uh, but then again, I, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know for sure. It's just sort of like rumors that I've heard. But, right. um, but yeah, I mean... Uh, well, that's not a factor for another one of your very good friends who we've had on the podcast, Darren Cahill. Yeah. He and Simona Halep, after a very successful time mm-hmm. working together, mm-hmm. so far as we know, and I don't think he would have any reason to be disingenuous about it, they just stopped working together because he's done for now. Is yeah. that the case? Yeah, and I think, look, I, I know how, how he feels. I, again, I haven't had a conversation with him about it, um, but I'm assuming that, you know, look, he's very busy with ESPN. <laughs> I get that. Um, he has other business interests that he's got going on. And, you know, with Simona, it's a full-time job. You know, when you're with a coach, when you're with a player as a coach, it is full-time. It yeah. is long hours. It is making sure they're okay. It is eating with them. It is often having breakfast with them or lunch and then training and then going to their fitness workouts. And, I mean, if you're a really engaged coach, that's what it is. And, you know, with a lot of the top players, you are with them a ton of the time. Yeah. And, you know, he has you know teenage kids um that he wants to spend more time with and seeing them perform yeah you know seeing them play tennis Mm -hmm. and you know do what sports that they're doing or just be around them a little bit more and you know obviously with vicky's wife and you know when you're on the road as much as that he is already yeah without even the coaching dynamic put in it you know um i think that he probably just you know as he said he needed more family time and i and i get it and look he doesn't 
he doesn't need it, the money. Um, you know, I'm sure he's done very well. He does very well working for ESPN. So I would assume that, you know, again, it could be a situation, Caitlin, where it's a six-month, 12-month thing. Yeah. And he just takes some he time away back. and Simona, you know, Simona feels like she really needs him back. I'm sure that he'd be willing to go back at any time. But, you know. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about you. I mean, you are going to be working again with Carolina. Carolina, please go yeah. You had a very, from what I would say not only because you're my friend, but, you know, objectively, you guys had a very good run together yeah. when you took over full-time in the middle of the summer, obviously yeah. leading to her making a semifinal appearance at, you know, Singapore at the Tour Finals. Yeah. What does the sort of next couple of months look like for you guys? How intense is it? I know you've got two bags. We're sitting here in your apartment. You've got two bags I... filled to the brim, coaching gear, broadcasting gear, yeah. you know, some casual clothes in there as well because you're going to be on the road for about eight weeks. Fairly a lot of casual clothes. But listen, <laughs> I'll be the first to say that I take quite a big wardrobe with me. You're a bit of a clothes horse. I am a bit of a clothes horse. Um, I like to look good, but I also have, you know, a, a two weeks worth of um, ESPN clothing with mm-hmm. me, which um, is a lot of dresses. Yes. And which is not something I wear on a daily basis. So I have all my casual gear and then I have my tennis gear. So I'll be working with Kaya in uh, Carolina Pushkova's, I call her Kaya, or her friends call her Kaya. Um, it's not Kaya Kanepi, but um, anyway, but Kaya, uh, I'll be working with her in Brisbane and uh, leading up to the Aussie Open. And then I hand the reins over to Conchita Martinez, who will take over the coaching role with her at the Australian Open because of my, of my time with ESPN and not trying to have conflict there and, you know, putting my time and effort into doing my commentary work and working for ESPN. Um, and then I'm going to the Middle East with her, Doha, Dubai, Indian Wells, and Miami. Um, so, again, because, you know, my work with ESPN, I don't really work for them until Wimbledon again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a bit of a conflict and it's, you know, obviously an ongoing situation that we're trying to work around and work with. But, you know, all the players know that I, listen, I love all the players. I I love to interview them. I love to commentate tennis. But, you know, when I've always talked to all the players about their tennis, if they ever wanted to ask my opinion about Mm -hmm. something, I'm not shy in telling them how I feel. Yeah. Um, Well, I've seen you casually talk tennis with Vika Azarenka when we were talking in Wimbledon she walks up and you were asking her about her serve and so on and so forth yeah, and just I actually innately in me to be a nosy Nelly well you did it to me the first five minutes I was on the tennis court well you needed it I, it helped yeah uh, I hope I want some more of that I you know yeah. I've got a top ten coach player uh, we've got to work on that I know and you've got you to deconstruct my forehand in 2019 um, well one of the things I think is so useful about you in particular as a coach is and it, it helps me understand coaching generally which is you can give somebody like Victoria Azarenka the keys to the kingdom in terms of you should be doing this on your serve, you should be doing this with your feet, whatever, uh, even if you work with one of her rivals. But really, tennis is more about unlocking your individual potential, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah sure, you have matchups where you're going to say, now really attack that backhand, or yeah. she doesn't like patterns where you mix it up with mm-hmm. a short ball. But for the most part, you know, anything you say to another player doesn't necessarily hurt Kaya's chances in any individual tournament, you're probably working with her more to try to be the best version of herself on any given day. Yeah, I mean, listen, I see so so much potential in so many players. Obviously, I don't want to go up to too many of them now because they are, you know, will be a rival of hers in big matches. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you have to implement that and you you have to work on it and she may players may listen to what I have to say and go and work on it or not. It's not really up to, it's really up to them. Um... Yeah, I mean, I've always just had a really open dialogue with all the players and everybody, and so I think that most of the players still would recognize and understand that I, I want the best for them. Yeah. I just may, you know, in the individual matchups, um, like when Kaya was playing Caroline Wozniacki, you know, first matchup in Singapore, it was like, it was hard, and she played uh, 
you know, Sam Stoza in, in uh, Beijing in the first round. You know, Sam's one of my really great old friends. Yeah. And so it's hard. it was hard to coach against people that I care about and, you know, I'm friends with. But, you know, my job is also to get Kaya over the line. So, and she's paying me yeah. for that. So. Well, and you're doing a great job. One of the things I noticed in the second half of last year in particular was seeing her come in. Yeah. And it seems like that's very effective for her, without giving too much away. Like, is that one of the main tactics that you guys have? Oh no! On? I mean, I'm happy to talk about giving it away. I mean, yeah, yeah she's going to come into the net more. There's no yeah. question about it. I mean, I don't want to make her a net charger. She's not me, chip and charge and come into the net. Right. Her, well, she has ground strokes, and yeah. I really didn't have that good a ground stroke. But I mean, it wasn't bad. But but you know, the bottom line is, you know, tennis is evolving into long, long rallies and long, arduous rallies with the likes of Kerbers and Halops yeah, and your Wozniacki. And you think about all the players that have won Grand Slams in the last 12 min- months. A lot of them are just road runners. Yeah. But they also recognize that they need to improve their attacking game. Wozniacki mm-hmm. definitely was hitting the ball harder mm-hmm. at, in January of 2017. Bigger forehands, bigger serving. I mean, she was serving so well. I yeah. mean, I remember Kaya practicing with her in Singapore the year before. And she was out serving... Kaya. She was out acing Kaya in the practice court. And that's crazy. Kaya turned around to me. She goes, you know, literally like, what the fuck? I'm getting served off the court by Wozniacki. And that's because she worked on her serve. Yeah. And I saw that translate into Australia. The irony was in the final, she played someone that played just like her. Totally. So she didn't necessarily, she can't, they kind of both reverted back to their, their old selves that about was a, not missing. That Australian Open final was insane. Halep and Wozniacki was a counterpuncher's dream. It was insane. But you know what? In the end, and, and, and the irony of it was in the end, it was a backhand error into the net yeah. that won Wozniacki that match. It wasn't a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and often tennis is about making your opponent make an error. Sure. Um, but when you're playing against someone who bloody doesn't make errors, it's like, hence the three hours and 20 minute final. Yeah, you got to... Um, but having said that, so not someone like Kaya, she's not going to play a three and a half hour match and win it against a Halep or a Wozniacki. So how do you, how do you get a player how do you with weapons? Points? How do you yeah. play to your strengths? How do you make a player with weapons, use the weapons and shorten the point and win the point against players like that? So you've got to have that. Um, well, that reminds me of another player who's now without a coach, yeah. Venus Williams, who mm-hmm. just, uh, announced that she wouldn't be working with David Witt, with mm-hmm. whom she had worked for 11 years. Yeah. Um, you know. Venus is my age. She's 38, going on 39. You're that old. I know. I don't look a day over 30, do I? No. Um, well, now you've stopped smoking for 10 days. Yeah. It's the, the improvement the, in the skin. The, is the like, skin quality, elasticity has been mm. real, rejuvenating. It's real. She, um, she's got to end points quickly. She's got to play. I mean, she's got tremendous weapons. She's always had a huge mm-hmm. ground game. She's got a huge serve. She's got great hands. Can she... She can't play their counter-punching game either. What, what should she be doing looking into staying on the tour healthy... Yeah, and effective well, in 2019. It's interesting that uh, you know her and David split, um, like you said, at 11 years, and the loyalty was always there with Venus. You know, it, it's it's funny that um, you know Venus and Serena are really so loyal to the people around them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know we had the Sasha Bajan, he was gone with Serena, and then Patrick, you know, has been there since really since her dad. Um, so you know, you see how loyal Venus and Serena are to the people around them mm-hmm. because. You, they have to trust the people around them because of, you know, look, they're huge superstars. So you need to have people to trust in your in your coaching circle as well because you know you learn a lot about somebody. I'm sure, know. yeah. Um, so I'm sure that you know that's been tough for both David and Venus um, because they're such good friends as well. So you know, any I, indication who she's working? I don't. With? No, I don't. Um, yeah. I don't. But I'll be somebody that she needs to trust. Yeah. Um, that 
that because uh, that's very important for Venus. So, yeah, I think, look, it's obvious that Venus wants to have another push, one more year or two more years um, in her career and try and finish the career off the way she started. Last year was an incredible year. Oh, this, my gosh. This past year was tough. Yeah. She, the no, year before this, she made two Grand Slam two, finals, right? Two Grand Slams finals, a semi-final at the Australian Open. So she had a phenomenal year at the Great Slams. Great year. 37 years old yeah, two years ago. Whereas last this last past year, 2018, has been tough. Yeah. Um, so I think she just needed a bit of a new voice maybe in her ear. We'll yeah. see what happens and who is on board come the Australian Open. I know she's going to uh, an exhibition in the Middle East and then Auckland and mm-hmm. then Australia. So she's, you know, 100% playing. Um, spent a bit of time with her over the last couple of weeks. Uh, saw her in Miami and up here in New York, actually. And she's in good spirits and working, you know, her and Venus, her and Serena are both doing their businesses. So, God, yeah. you know, they're so busy. But, um, yeah, it's great to still have them around. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, in the we'll see what happens. Okay, so now that we're sort of talking more generally about 2019, any other sort of like big storylines you're looking for? I think sometimes when you have a Grand Slam breakthrough, Naomi Osaka obviously winning her first this year, mm-hmm. won Indian Wells and then won the US Open. So mm-hmm. she had two huge peaks working with Sasha Bajan, as mm-hmm. you noted, who's kind of made the rounds among a couple of top yeah, WTA himself, players yeah. and then now has been obviously very successful with Naomi. Um, what do you think in terms of her ability to sort of follow up the the maiden grand slam with a solid year um yeah we'll see i mean listen she's already proven herself a grand slam champion under the most incredibly <laughs> let's uh duress um, calamitous calamity yeah. of m- moments at the yeah. u.s open um but she played better than serena on that day too yeah, i mean she, she was a better player and she's um obviously proven herself by winning indian wells as well she's had her ups and downs after that i think she might be that type of player that has her ups and downs um or if she can learn to sort of have a little bit more stability week in and week out, then there's no question she can be a future number one. Yeah. There's no question. Um, it's just, you know, we saw her sort of collapse a little bit after the US Open. I mean, her speech against when she lost to Kaya actually in Tokyo was a bit of a shocker. Mm-hmm. It was about three three words. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has to learn to also deal with the, her popularity now. Yeah. Right, she's also, a mega, mega, mega oh celebrity. My God. I mean, the amount of just endorsements alone she got Major. after the US Open. Yeah. I mean, and being Japanese, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on her. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nishikori understands that as well. Totally. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, she just has to learn to deal with that. And she's very shy and very um, a unique character, let's yeah. put it that way. I love so, her. She's so weird. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's true. So we'll see how she handles all of this now added expectation. And she's number five in the world now. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of pressure on her shoulders next year. She's interesting because she, like, um, you know, unlike the sort of crop of counterpunchers who have won a lot of the Grand Slams. She ain't no counterpuncher. She's not a counterpuncher. She's not a Halep. She's Mm -hmm. not a Kerber. She's not a Sloan. She is a first-strike, big-ball tennis player. Um, You know, similar... Learning to be smarter. Learning to be smarter. Sabalenka, obviously, is somebody who I um, really admire for the same reasons because she brings a pretty high-octane level of, like, trying to close points out. So I'm going to be watching what she does. (laughs) To, to understate it. I don't know. If people haven't seen Sabalenka play that are out there listening to our podcast. Hold on to your fucking hats. Hold on to your fucking hats. Yeah, it's nuts. It's coming. It's coming. It's the coming you like it or not. tornado is coming. Um, one person who I th- kind of categorize similarly, who I would really love to see have a good 2019, is Madison Keys. Mm. Madison Keys has such great weapons. Another coaching 
to install? She has had a lot of different coaches. She's going to be now working with um, the coach of Tennis Sandgren. I forget his name, but she has had a lot of voices in that mix. Obviously, Lindsay Davenport has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of very similar sort of California roots. They have a similar game style. Um, it, it, I know that they personally like each other quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But what what Madison Keys? What what can we sort of what what does she need to do to sort of get herself back into that top echelon of player? Obviously, stay healthy, which has yeah. been an issue for her mm-hmm. her whole career. What else? Well, the coaching situation is a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, listen, I'm going to be really honest. Like, I you've got to have you've got to have continuity. Yeah. You know, uh, you've got to have a voice that you trust and that trusts you to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important. And, you know, Lindsay's been in and out and is constantly in her communication yeah. um, as far as texting and, you know, staying in touch with her and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, listen, number one, health is hugely important. Obviously, she had her health problems go at the, even at the end of last year yeah. um, with having to pull out of... T- uh, the elite no, trophy. Shen, in Shenzhen. Yes, the elite trophy. Thank WTA you. Elite the trophy. WTA elite trophy. Um, she had to pull out of that when she was in the semis. And... Um, I think the important thing is having a coach with her week in and week out that trusts her, her abilities, and gets the best out of her every single week. And she's shy, Madison. You know, she's kind of like got that... um, I I don't know how much she believes in herself um, towards the very end of tournaments. And Mm -hmm. I say that because I really like Madison as a person. I think she's a great kid. Um, I just think she has to learn to believe in herself. She's Mm -hmm. still so young. Yeah, she... Let's put it that way. We forget she's still... But... If there's anyone that should be winning Grand Slams, it is 100% Madison Keys. I yeah. mean, her weapons are huge. Yeah. I mean, serve, ground strokes, massive. Massive. She can learn to come into the net a little bit more yeah. and finish off some points, whether it's drilling balls out of the air, taking or playing them some doubles, maybe? Playing some doubles. Um, there's no question. Um, she's the next best player to not win a slam. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Her and I would put Kaya in that... Um, yeah in that position as well what we saw Svitolina do at the end of last year you definitely have to put her into that category now just because yeah. she's won so many tournaments over mm-hmm. the last few yeah, years totally. she looks like she's put on a little bit of weight and she's she's back gained back that, yeah. that physical part of her game yeah um, and what I saw in Singapore was impressive from Svitolina oh yeah so, she mowed that that last match yeah she I mean was, she mowed she everybody it, she mowed everybody she a match yeah. I mean so I mean she was probably the one player going in there that was like oh god yeah you know she's probably the worst player coming in as far as form was concerned totally and then she just smoked everybody yeah so, match results would have indicated she would have lost the, no no it was unbelievable in the first round she was yeah. incredible so um, listen and you know when she gets to a final she knows how to win so I think those three players are um, the ones that might be knocking on a door for a slam three now we can talk about the women all day because I think we both know them and perhaps like them better but we should in fact talk about the men because there were some well, you both, interesting you and I both like the ladies better I mean that's that it goes without saying um, but for the record I personally was really happy to see Zverev win yes uh, the tour finals in London me too um, we were at that tournament we had a big party in London it was great I had some amazing Indian food but Alexander Zverev finally got mm. he hasn't won a Grand Slam he hasn't done uh, a ton at majors that's kind of the big dig on him he's won and beaten the big four at three set tournaments at other premieres mm. and finally he won the atp tour finals pretty convincingly i was can, pumped can, can we put down which is what i said at the u.s open when i found out the news of the ivan lendl yeah you think it's lendl a hundred percent okay um and I knew when Zverev hired Lendl, I went, that's the greatest move ever. Mm. And, you know, because he has the 
ability, we already know that. Sure, you know, he's got game two in the world, yeah. this guy's won multiple um, ATP 1000 events, he's beaten, as you said, everybody. He's tough. He's, he's got he He's got everything. He's got the yeah. game. He's, he's got, got, the he's got everything. He's got the whole package, but he's young. And when I saw the hire of Ivan, I just thought that's, that's just the little piece of the puzzle that needed to be put in there. You know, mm-hmm. Andy Murray needed Ivan to make him... I think make him trust and believe that he could win a slam mm-hmm. and give him that steely look when he started acting like a twat on the court. I mean, he'll be the first to say, <laughs> sure, you know, yeah. he's carrying on like a, like a bloody idiot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I say that with the most respect for Andy Murray. No, I, no, you he's know, you like love literally him, you love my, his mom. I just, he's my favourite tennis player possibly that, that has ever lived. Thoughtful guy, human being, off the court. He was just, you know, he'd be the first to admit, like myself. Yeah. I was the same. Yeah, he was a, a twat on the court, right? I mean, just an idiot. <laughs> That's with the, name, shit, the title of right? this episode. A twat on the court. Twat on the court. Um, but but he's also the greatest guy. So um, you know, when he got Ivan, Ivan sort of pulled in all the all the twatness in, and yeah. he just said, "Look, I don't want to. Don't even look at me. Like, play fucking tennis, mm. you know, and win the match, and stop carrying on like an idiot, yeah. right?" And you know, again, I can appreciate that because I was the same way. And until I was able to dr- pull in my head and control my outward bursts of negative energy, yeah, I was never going to win a big tournament, you know. So he's passed that on to Andy. Great job, you know. And now he's sort of that's what he's doing with um, with Zverev in the fact that he's probably made him believe mm-hmm. that he can win these big events against the big players, but but also understand how to do it and. The reason he had to do it is to, whatever it was, to add X and Y to his his game and also to his thought process. And Ivan's a no-bullshit guy. Yeah. I mean, talk about a no-bullshit guy. He is a no-bullshit guy. And I know Ivan really well. And I thought it was the best move ever. And that's why. And he will translate that into Grand Slam play now. For sure, he'll be tough to beat in Australia. So my favourite young male player and I think a lot of people have been sort of watching this crop there's Tsitsipas who I really like mm-hmm. because he's got that beautiful one hand backhand he's a bit of an artist and on you there you like saying Tsitsipas I love saying Tsitsipas I'll let the rejoinder of that sentence go because there's a lot of different ways you could take it um, I actually really love Team I love Team yeah. uh, Team is not universally beloved but I love the fact that he's so I mean his game has such flair he's got such like what he lacks in personality and the ability to string together a sentence that's uh, that you can remember he makes up for in the fact that he can play just like balls out nutso tennis. And I was a little surprised that he made a Grand Slam final before um, Zverev sure, did, yeah. just because Zverev's a little bit more, you know, higher profile and has kind of been anointed a little bit longer. Well, but team's team, so good on clay. Team is so good on clay. Uh, maybe not the other services, and maybe that's never going to be. Yeah, well, he has to learn to get up on the court a little bit more. Yeah, he's I mean, standing he's so 20 far feet behind, behind the baseline. The feet. I know, it's nuts. You know, and, and Rafa won Wimbledon by flattening out his forehand and, he, and, and you know, really utilizing that lefty sort of serve and. Mm-hmm being more aggressive yeah. I mean coming in and you know taking the ball earlier and all those things and that's what Rafa did to win Wimbledon yeah um, and then you know Wimbledon grass has certainly changed it allows somebody to play a lot more defensively yeah but to win you still have to be aggressive yeah um, and he did that and so team has to learn you know with those big old ground strokes especially with that one-handed backhand you yeah. know to you got to get up on the court a little bit more and be more aggressive from time to time. So will he translate that in other surfaces? I don't know. There's no doubt he's going to win a French Open in the next three or four oh, years. It seems like as soon as Rafa quits. Foregone conclusion. I mean, Rafa's going to win like 13 French Opens. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and then to round that out, we've got Borna Koric, who finished the year quite well, had a very impressive win over Federer in yeah. Asia. 
um, you know, I think that crop is sort of ready to... I mean, the reason we're not talking about Federer, we're not talking about Djokovic, we're not talking about it at all, and we could, it's just, you know, I think... Because they've been talked out about enough. And, you know, what are we going to add? Like, unless one of these guys comes and takes it from him... What about... They're going to keep dominating. What no? about the added little um, uh, caveat of... Andre Agassi working now with Grigor Dimitrov. I love it. I love it. I think it's great because Grigor... I don't know how much full-time stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know that they're in Vegas. We've seen it all on Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And um, I think it's great because Grigor has to be told, I think, um, how good he can be. I think he knows that. But I think really belief in um, what he needs to do better and yeah. putting points together. And obviously Darren Cahill was around it a little bit. I mm-hmm. saw him in the background. So, you know, what's going on there? Yeah. I actually think that would be a great, I, I think I did. I had, I have no idea. I'm totally talking out of my ass, but wouldn't it be great to see Darren actually working with Grigor? Yeah. Um, in that capacity to actually make him a little bit more efficient on the court. And I think that's been the biggest problem for Grigor's. And I'll put it on the record and I've said it before, you know, everyone talked about him being baby fed. Mm-hmm. I went and watched them play at the Australian Open three years ago, and I wanted to know why the F, Roger Federer, was so much better than Grigor, considering how similar they play. Same right? strokes. Same strokes, very similar. Yeah. And it's a serve. I mean, yeah, okay, it's other things. Well, I think Roger's backhand is much better than Grigor's mm-hmm. um, now. He plays those big points better. But it's a serve. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, all the other stuff. I mean, Roger's just a little bit better at everything. But yeah. But it's the serve. His serve, I mean, I'll be straight up. It's crap. And it falls apart. And his yeah. second serve is shit. And one of the things that I noticed was that he doesn't get inside the court like Roger does. Yeah. And I was sitting on the baseline. I was like, oh, my God. He, d- he literally goes up and straight back down, perpendicular, up and down. He doesn't get into the court like yeah. Roger gets way inside the court and right. then comes back. Uh-huh. So which is why Roger's got one of the best serves in the world because he's it's aggressive. Yeah. Whereas it's almost like Grigor starts wants to start the point and just get going and use his speed. Oh, interesting. And so if there's one area of critique on Grigor Dimitrov for me yeah. from my, my coaching perspective, but also from a commentary, is his serve. He needs to improve the aggressiveness and the reliability under pressure of his second serve, which has been a problem for him over the last couple of years. Well, to contextualize it, I mean we are choosing not to talk about the big four, leaving out kind of Andy Murray just because he's been recovering from an injury, but he's coming back this year. And, you know, obviously I think the tour is better with him in good form. And skipping ahead to the next generation of your Zveros and your teams and your Tsitsipas and Korch because that lost generation in between has Mm. kind of... And the reason that they've all sort of fallen apart is different for each of them, right? Like, Songa has all the... the, It's like, come on, I wanted Songa to win a slam. He had his chance back in, like, 2008. Monfils, Songa, all those guys. Songa... Um, Nishikori you know, Nishikori got real close yeah. Chilich broke through he's kind of yeah. in that same age range so good yeah. for Chilich for, for getting it done but you know there's no uh, you know certainly Dimitrov won the ATP Tour Finals has been a consistent top 10 player can win tournaments but kind of falls apart in that last like mile and so things like that you learn are huge differentiators if you huge. don't have a you know huge. a go-to gimme serve like like yeah. Federer does right? I mean you just have just watch his matches yeah. under pressure yeah. I mean, that's where the problem lies. So I don't know if someone's going to look at that and dissect it, but I tell you what, if there was a coaching job that I would put my hand up for, it's definitely that one. Really? Okay, last thing I want to ask you about. Um, going. I mean, he's sh- adorable, too. He's got I mean, a, let's be honest. He's got a beautiful I mean, face. he doesn't, like, you know, obviously do it clearly for me. No, no, no. He's, we know my he's an attractive situation. Man. But I do love... Me some Greek As does, does everybody. Even anyway. the other... Uh, everyone agrees that he's extremely good looking. I'm going to put you on the spot for the last thing that we're going to talk about. We're going into Australia. We are talking about the men. We're talking about coaching. Um, let's talk about Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios is the most talented tennis player 
to walk on the court probably in a couple generations. I don't think that mm. that's a crazy statement no, to make. No, not at all. When you see what he's capable of, not at all. You are like blown away. Oh yeah. He hasn't had a coach. Does he now have a coach? Am I missing something? I saw him not that I know of. Practice at Indian Wells by himself. He practiced doing 360 overheads where he would have a friend feed him a ball, do a jump and do like a 360 dump the way you dunk the way you would in basketball. Or a dunk. Um, and then he pulls out of the tournament a couple hours later because he's injured. He loves basketball. Mm-hmm. He loves children, actually. He mm-hmm. loves giving back. He's an interesting, complicated dude. Uh, what the fuck? I don't know. He's uh, he's staying coachless in the new season, uh-huh. um, as far as I know. I mean, he yeah. had someone with him a little bit helping in uh, Asia, but... Listen, I, at the bottom line is that Nick is a character all upon himself. And until yeah. he starts to realize, um, you know, I, I just don't know if he, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to put it in context. I think he's afraid in some respects mm-hmm. of the fear of failure. Yeah. So if he hires a great coach and doesn't have the success, yeah. you know, everyone's going to be like, well, maybe it's just you. Yeah. Um, maybe, I, you know, who knows? And certainly it's not a money thing. I mean, no. He's making shit tons of money. I think it's the burden of... I think it's a burden of that. I think it's a burden of someone telling him what to do. He doesn't really feel like he wants to hear someone tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't had a conversation with him. Look, I like Nick. Um, I like Nick. I think he's shy, and I think he's done some really stupid things over the last couple of years. There's yeah. no question about that on the court. Um, off the court, he's done some tremendously great things yeah. I mean he, as you said he loves kids he puts his time into it and he, he doesn't do it in a I, showy way either he no, does it because he just you, does it. you get the sense and I saw him with a group of children yeah. at the city open this mm-hmm. summer in DC he's not doing it for the cameras no, he, he is just, legitimately enjoying being on the and court. I know it's, there's some top players that do it just for the cameras you can tell and I think remain nameless he is somebody that you look and say oh he is having such a fun time with yeah. his kids this is such a nice freeing thing yeah. to watch somebody do he and likes then he gets to on the have court, a good time and he's a little he's a different person he likes to have a good time yeah he doesn't want stress and pressure. He likes to just have a good time. Mm. And I think when he's on the court sometimes, that's why he does the tweeners and the shit behind his back and yeah. the you know stuff that he doesn't have to do on the tennis My court. My favorite this point. year was the... I mean, the tweener, like passing shots that he hits, like when he... My favorite was the uh, return and charge. So he runs into somebody's, yeah. in some cases, first serves. I, I mean, Blocks it back and then he's at the net. It's and nuts. he did it against... Medvedev, who basically looked like he was going to cry yeah. because he'd never seen anybody do it before. It was amazing. It was like better than the sneak attack by Roger, that saber thing that we were all kind of talking yeah, about yeah. for a couple of years ago. No, no, this insane. was even better. It's he was hitting winners. Off I, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for Andy Murray to retire and Nick use him as a coach. That I think actually that could a good happen. That could, happen. That could, kind of could actually happen. Yeah, I like that. Might be a couple of years away, but with Andy, but um, but that would be something that I could totally see um, him doing. But you know, I don't know. Nick's an unknown quantity. Um, He's incredible for the game. Yeah. Oh, um, he's great for the game. You know, totally if he could cut down on, if he could just cut down on on some of the bullshit, some of the bullshit, um, it would be great. And you know, I do think. Look, it's his career. It's his life. If he wants to hit a tweener, oh, I don't know, mad and about not the and not hit a normal shot, and people go, oh, "What a joke!" No, I'm well, not. It's his life. I'm never mad about the trick shots. You know? I love the trick shots. I don't. The only thing. I don't like is the tanking. Yeah. I don't like when he the doesn't tanking. try. That's when I the get the tanking. Yeah. is a problem for me because um, you know I, it's disrespectful to the sport. It's, it's disrespectful to yourself. It's disrespectful to the crowd. It's, it's if you, you know, don't want to play, don't play. If you don't want to play, don't if play. If you don't want to play, don't play. I don't mind. I don't mind the funny trick shots and all that. That's fine because that's his loss. But you know, we'll see. Hey, he is like a box of chocolates. 
What a way to end it. All right, 2018, you're in the books. 2019, we're coming for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are coming for you. You're going to get on a plane tomorrow. I won't see you for six weeks. Maybe, no, no, longer. Maybe longer. You're gonna, do you want to take a frame picture of my face just so you can... Um, I have this thing called a phone. Okay. And well. I have, unfortunately, way too many pictures of you on it. Okay, well, I'm just making it But I am psyched for next year. There's no question about that. I'm totally psyched for next year. I'm ready to go work-wise and... I'm ready for tennis to be back you know, in my life and, and on television. I I'm, ready, I'm tired of watching these players. There is no question photos. you play more tennis than anybody I fucking know. Is that true? Except the pros, who have taken their two-week sabbatical. Yeah. All of them went to the Maldives, it looks like. Uh-huh. I mean, Jesus Christ, every single one of them. You know, I was talking to our fashion consultant, who has clearly gone on strike yeah, well, out of our podcast. Yeah. I knew this would happen. She begged me yeah, to let she's her be just, on the podcast. You know, she's just she... irresponsible. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to Andrea Putkovich, and Andrea said to me, what the fuck? Every single tennis player goes to Maldives. Who wants to see another tennis player on a beach at the same time? I mean... And you're like, hey, good to see you here. Right. So, you know... Um, yeah, can you imagine, like, Angie Kerber running into, Yeah, you know, no, it's happened. It happens. Carolina Pliskova at the no. breakfast buffet. Carolina went to... Um, she went to the Seychelles. Great. I mean, she went into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know where they are, but they're uh, bloody in the middle of nowhere. They're in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Yes. yes. Like, there's like a speck, and there they are. There they are. Um, so, so every tennis player wants to go to the beach. Yeah. None of them can ski. Well, except our friend, Andrea Pekovic, who's not, who has spent the fall with us in New York City. She's cultured. Do we want to do our predictions for the Australian Open? You go first. Oh, shit. All right. Well, I got to pick Djokovic in the men's because he's won the tournament, like, feels like a hundred times. Uh-huh. Uh, he obviously is going into the new year with renewed confidence. Um, I think Zverev will be a threat. There's no question about it. And and then we'll see with the rest. I don't know. Roger, what's going on with him? He certainly didn't have the year that we expected this year. No. So um, I don't know. He might he might be done. But we've said that before. We've said it many times. Um, women? And the Australia? women's... I think Halep um, goes in as favourite. Uh, obviously, we saw what she did there last year. Um... I do think that, you know, the Sabalenkas and the Plishkovas and the the Madison Keys, the ones that have been knocking on the door, I think they're still going to be knocking on the door. And we've had eight, is it eight of the last nine Grand Slams have won, be, been First won by time eight different it's people. It's amazing. It's I love it. insane. I'm super into it. Um, so, you know, obviously that's like I love that. really exciting. I love the variety. Because, I mean, women's tennis, talk about deep. This is, it's gotten to the point that it was about 15, 20 years ago when you had the Kleisters and Hennens and... Serena and Capriati's and Venus and Davenport and Moresmo's. I love that. I mean, fuck, how good was that? So good. That's why I'm so jazzed for these young dudes because I want somebody else to challenge. Yeah, Yeah. because the men's has been boring. Yeah, you know, I know what they look like. There's a trophy over their heads. I don't watch tennis for excellence. I watch it for variety and surprise. And so I like to have excellent surprises. Of course, nobody undeserving shit winning is going to raise a trophy over their head. But you know you got as you got Zabalenka. What's her year going to look like now with a lot more expectation oh. on her shoulders? Because now she is not a surprise to anybody. Yeah, people should prepare. Hell brace yes! Themselves. Look out, Zena, yeah. the ninja warrior. That's so what it is. Warrior princess. Warrior princess. She's Australian. You should know that. Uh, oh, I thanks. would like to see I, Svitolina. Feels like she could make a breakthrough. I Svitolina. feel like Svitolina could win on the slower courts of Australia. So she's going to be my pick just to it's go not with that slow. Well, here's the thing about Australia: you never know who's going to be fast or slow until you get down there. Because the heat. Because of the heat, and they do change it from time to time. Um, sometimes it's a little bit slower, sometimes it's a little bit faster. It depends on who they want to cater it to. You know, the last couple of years it's been catered to Roger pretty quick. So it's quick. So You know who I would yeah. love to see win it? Who I'd love to see win it? 
Um, I would love to see Delpo. Oh, I don't. Well, it's, I love to see Delpo win anything. It, you want to see him win anything? He obviously won Indian Wells, which was didn't go last year. Amazing. Didn't play last year because he was still recovering and made. I think what a lot of people thought was like sort of a surprise final. Yeah, was he three? Got to three in the world at last the US year. Open. This is crazy. Yeah, he's still in the top five. So getting a Delpo mm-hmm. slam wouldn't that be cool? I'm just putting it out there because I want to see it. So. Yeah, who doesn't want to see Delpo? I want to see Delpo. The heat. I mean, he handles the heat pretty well, so we'll see. Yeah, Delpo's definitely a threat. He's always a threat. Nobody wants to play that dude. No. No one wants to play him or Kyrgios or, you know, the danger guys the big, um, that the can big just hit you off the court. Yeah, exactly. Serve you off the court. So, yeah. So, yeah, and, and the big question mark is how Serena going to be. The Australian Open's always been a really great hunting ground for her because it's super relaxed there. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. The crowd love her in Australia. Yeah. Um, she's won the tournament a billion times. Yeah. And I think the pressure is off her there because she doesn't feel... I mean, listen, Serena feels pressure every time she walks on the court. Sure. I can't imagine what that feels like yeah. because it must be stressful. <laughs> but I think she, the crowd loves her down there. She gets into it. She doesn't have the pressure like she does at the US Open. The US Open's such immense pressure for her, mm-hmm. I think. And it's also at the end of the year where she's just fucking tapping. Yeah. I mean, listen, when she's had her outbursts and her nut moments and yeah. she'll admit there's been some crazy moments it's always at the US Open because it's the end of the year it's the end of the year and she's tapping and, and the pressure yeah, and the Australian Open is fun it's great yeah. she has you know great support down there alright 2019 yeah. let's uh, 2019 here we come son here we come gird your loins leaving New York at the right time before the snow starts coming leave me behind in the miserable New York winter sorry mate you can always get on a plane alright well FaceTime me there's the flying day. kangaroo down to Australia alright noted that's Qantas if you didn't know I did Okay. okay, I'm on it. Okay, mate. Yeah, Qantas, please sponsor our podcast. 2019. Yeah, Qantas. Come on. Or Emirates. Sure, or, and we'll take any, you know, yeah. Starline, what is it? Star Alliance. Star Alliance, that's yeah. it. Emirates or bust. All right, really? until... Okay, Emirates or bust. Yeah, they've 2019 got the best first class. Well, can we just fly first class? Sure, of course. Okay. That's all I thought. 2019, here we come. Hey, Racket Magazine podcast people. Thank you for the love. Yes, thank you for spending the year with us. Thank this you. This is our debut year. For the have... year, we've been engaged for a year. <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. Goodbye. Hey, considering the start, first pod we ever had was talking about my love life. Oh, my God. Let's All right. not even get into Until that. Until soon. Goodbye. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri, Taylor Dalton, and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 